Good morning, Transit Church. How are we doing today? Good. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Jake Mudgerzo. I am the pastoral intern here at the Transit. Yep, somebody's excited. Um, man, I tell you what, who else was dragging a little bit this week, losing that hour of sleep? Anyone? Yeah, man, uh, still feeling a little of the effects. Who here actually enjoys the hour jump? Does anyone like what happens with that? Anyone? I see somebody shaking their heads. I see two people with affirming that they like it. Stick around after the service. I'd love to pray for you after the service. <laughs> Just kidding. There's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with me. I can't adjust. But uh, we will be continuing our study through Ephesians. As Pastor Nick has said previously, we are moving at a snail's pace, and I'm loving every second of it. Deep dive into Ephesians. I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. So the text for today will be, Ephesians 1, 15 through 19. You can turn there now in your Bibles. And the sermon title, not that anyone truly cares, but I'm going to give it to you, is Seeing Clearer. Seeing Clearer. And the main point is the lenses from which we view God shapes our actions as believers. But we have to ask the question, is our view clear? Are we growing in clarity of the Father and who He is and His position towards us sinners? So last week, a little recap Pastor Nick took us through, I believe it was verses 10 through 14, um, and, and what he spoke on last week was uh, the security of our salvation, and uh, the prior week as well, talking about as well, with why that salvation, why our inheritance is secure, and those points were, it's God's work, not ours, praise the Lord, it's not dependent on us, it's not a workspace thing, it's the Father's love, so that's God's work, not ours. It's our right as sons and daughters. We are children of the Most High God, and it's already been pledged to us by God. So the beauty of nothing can remove us on earth. Nothing can remove us from the Father's grasp, His love. Thankfully, it's not dependent on us. Amen? And uh, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Nick, but you had an example or an analogy of, uh, did anyone remember the analogy you had? It was his car and then the Lamborghini and keying that. Anyone? Yeah, I, I love that. It was very good. Um, but we also want to test words here at the transit. Um, Nick said he didn't have a problem with you keying his car. So uh, if, if one of you could go out right now, we'll take a two-minute break, key his car, and then don't do that. But... Um, I, Lord, forgive me, that's the first thing my mind goes to is, I wonder if we key his car, will he, will he matter? Um, so our main points for the text, verses 15 through 19, are going to be triple G, triple G. And I'm not talking about guys' grocery games, which I love that cooking show. Probably two other people here enjoy that as well. Um, but that's not what it stands for. Today, triple G stands for give thanks, grow in knowledge, go in power. Give thanks, grow in knowledge, go in power. Let's read the text, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working 
of his great might. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love towards us. We thank you for just another day to gather before you in your presence in the house that you have built. This is your house, Father. So we come as your children, asking, Holy Spirit, come, clear our eyes to see. Clear our view of you. Any, any area of our lives that our picture of you as our Father is wrong. If we have any wrong views of you, Father, would you come, Holy Spirit, and clear that today? Would we grow in knowledge towards you? Would you get the glory and honor Do your name this morning? Will we praise you with everything we have? We thank you for who you are. And uh, just speak through any error of my own this morning for your sake, for your, your people's sake as well, Lord. We bless your name, Jesus' name. Amen. Point number one, give thanks for one another. Giving thanks. Giving thanks for one another. We see Paul, as he writes this letter to the Ephesians, he gives us a, a, a model for us to follow of one giving thanks, thanking these people whom he is writing to, and also interceding on their behalf. He doesn't just say, hey, I appreciate you guys. I've been praying for you. Uh, Just that generic, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. But he actually gives specifics of, hey, I I am so thankful for you, and I'm praying specifically in these areas. It's a beautiful model for us to follow. And a, a commercial break for us is praise and prayer are one and belong together as children of God. We need to be praising the Lord, we need to be thankful, and we need to be praying for each other. That belongs together. And I I know, I've probably said it every time I've been up here, I know life in this area is super busy. Our our schedules are absolutely insane. And if you're like me, if, if somebody's asked you, hey, how's your prayer life recently? You'll probably respond with, man, I'm just really struggling to find time with the Lord. I'm really struggling to have that prayer time with him. And um, I heard a quote recently that really convicted me, so I have to share it with you guys. John Piper says this, One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. Ouch. That one hit me pretty hard, and I don't have social media, but you can insert whatever it is that you spend your time doing. If it's video games, TV, YouTube, um, whatever it is, I think we have time, but where are our priorities? So that, and that commercial break, we'll go back to our text, and we can say, looking at the Ephesians and who Paul's writing to, were the Ephesians perfect? Were the Ephesians perfect? No. Of course not. They weren't perfect. Paul could have started this letter saying a whole bunch of other things. Who knows what he's heard about them here. He probably could have started it with, hey, what's wrong with you guys? What are you guys doing? He, he doesn't. He chooses to encourage them and also say, I'm praying for you in the text. And in nine out of 13 letters that Paul writes, it follows this model. It follows this model of giving praise, thanksgiving of the people, and saying, I'm praying for you. It's a beautiful and simple model for us to follow as children of God, and we can ask this question to ourselves. In every situation, are we striving to give thanks for one another? The people in our lives, are we striving to give thanks, and are we praying for each other, or are we grumbling and complaining of the difficult people in our lives? The second point of the first point is giving thanks is a choice. Thanksgiving is an action, not a feeling. 
You guys catch that? Thanksgiving is a choice, not a feeling. So we are told in, in God's Word to give thanks in all things. You can look at um, 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if we want to know, if we're wrestling with what's the will of God for my life, if I'm thinking, what, Lord, what do you have for me in my life, a great place to start is stop complaining. A great place to start is stop complaining and give thanks. It's the will of God. And, and I love this quote, smooth seas never make a good sailor. Smooth seas never make a good sailor. So we thank him for those waves in our lives. We thank him for those difficult people in our lives because we, we trust, knowing that the Father is sovereign and in control of everything, that he has allowed this person to be in my life. He's allowed this situation to happen, and maybe he's trying to do something in it to shape me into who he wants me to be. So that trust and giving thanks. And, you know, how can we, how can we do this in our daily lives? I would challenge you guys to do this, and you can hold me accountable to it. This week, just this next week, first five minutes of your time with the Lord, give thanks. Thank him for everything. Thank him for those difficult people Thank him for those people who drive you absolutely insane. And don't look at your spouse right now. (laughs) Give thanks. Because I I found the more I give thanks to the Father, even when I'm not feeling it, as I'm starting to give thanks, my eyes are cleared to see how good God is in my life. That my, my vision gets so clouded by me focusing on the problem and grumbling and complaining when I start to give thanks, my, my heart catches up to my mouth. It's an action, not a feeling. It's an action, not a feeling. His mercy, compassion, and love become more clear as we reflect and give thanks to him. And point number two, grow in the knowledge of God. Grow in the knowledge of God. The beginning, middle, and end of the Christian life is to know God and make him known to others. Go look at Colossians 1, 9 through 10. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. D.A. Carson says this, what is the greatest need in the church today? The one thing we need in Western Christendom is a deeper knowledge of God. We need to know God better. And how can we know him better? Verse 18, Paul writes this, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know. Well, what does that even mean? Eyes of a heart enlightened, what does that even mean? It means that God is sovereignly opening our eyes and giving us understanding so that we may know what? So that we may know. That's what, but what? Know what? His character, who he is, his heart towards his children, so that we may know more of him, grow in knowledge of him. And you think, just ask the question, well, great, that sounds awesome, Jake, but what does that look like for my personal life this week? How can I grow in knowledge of him is spend time in the word, spend time with him, not just to check off the reading plan, but to know him, know a person, not a book. It's communing with him, spending time in his word, speaking with him through prayer, being vulnerable and real with him. You can think of it as a horrible example, but we'll go with it. A dating, ex- uh, a, a first date, let's go with that. And you can look at the first date to now, 
uh, married for nine years. Praise God. So the first date, what do you do? How do you grow to know that person at all? You start to ask questions. You start to spend time with them. You start to, you, you ask questions because you want to know who, who this person is. What were they like before? What are they doing now? And what do they want to do with their lives? And as you get to know somebody better, you get more vulnerable. You can trust them. So as we grow in knowledge, we grow in trust. So as we grow in knowledge of God, we grow in trust of him and who he is, that he is faithful, that he is faithful to us. So um, and I'll go here. This stat I, I saw, and it's an old study, so bear with me. It's probably way worse now. 2021, I think it was. 32% of Christians don't read their Bible every day. Or, no, 32% do read their Bible every day. Sorry, the other way would be great. We can work with that. Um, and that just kind of made me sad, and, and it, the thought I had with it, well, there's no wonder so many people are straying from the faith when things get hard is because they were never on the firm foundation of God's Word and His love. We have to be in the Word. And I don't want this. I've talked about it before in previous sermons, so I'm not going to go there. I'm not, I'm not saying this in a legalistic way. But I want to give, I'll give this example. A little while back, maybe two months ago, my son, who's three, came up to me. I was reading the Bible, um, and he had one of my Bibles. I think that's like what has to happen as a pastoral intern. Somebody's in seminary. You just have Bibles everywhere. So he grabs one of the Bibles, and it was a Bible a friend of mine gave to me while I was on the police department. There's a cool story behind it. won't share it for today, but it was special to me, and he wanted it. He, he asked if he could have it, and uh, I explained to him the importance of it and taking care of it, and I gave it to him, and yes, that was, I think, the last day I saw that Bible, but that's not part of the story. What I saw my son doing as I was spending time with the Lord in the Word, what I saw my son doing was looking at me, and he had just joy on his face as he was looking like he was reading through the Bible and spending time with his father in the Word. And, and the great pleasure and joy that gave me, I was so happy, and it filled me with joy that my son wanted to spend time with me, but in the Word. And how much more does our Father in Heaven enjoy and take pleasure when we spend time with him through his Word? How much more does he enjoy that? So we come at it of, no, I need to just check this box so I'm not a certain statistic. No, I want to know the Father. I want to spend time with him, and he's pleased when we do that. So that's our aim. It's not just to know a book. It's to know a person. And I also looked at my son as he was reading through. The Bible was upside down, which was hilarious as well. And I was like, how? I also thought of how many times does the Father in Heaven see us reading and pretty much looking like we're reading upside down, just completely misunderstanding. And that's the, the dependence we have on the Holy Spirit to illuminate our eyes, to clear our eyes, to God's word so we understand it, and we have to grow in knowledge and always be humble when we read the word. Um, so that is how we can grow closer to the Lord. But there are some obstacles. There are some obstacles of knowing God. There are obstacles of our eyes being cleared. There are plenty. I'm going to share one today. Uh, I'm in seminary. It's, it's based out of Richmond. Uh, I went for, they have intensive, so you go in person for a couple days out of the week. You do that twice per semester. And uh, we finished dinner, and my buddies and I pile into uh, his 2007 luxurious Honda Accord. And we're in Richmond. The weather's horrible. Absolute downpour of rain. You can't see, like, a car in front of you. You can't see street signs. I'm in the back. My buddy's driving confidently, um, even though we literally have no idea where we're going. And I noticed he's also not even using his windshield wipers. 
Yes, what? <laughs> so, I mean, the problem is most of us in there are just joking and stuff like that, so no one's really paying attention. But I, I start to notice when I'm in the back seat, um, I look to the right outside the car, and I see cars are parked facing us on the right side of the road. I, I look to the left, and cars are parked on the left side of the road, and I see headlights up ahead, and as the panic is now collectively building in the car, uh, the front seat passenger, a dear brother of mine, goes, uh, conf rather confused but nonchalant, uh, hey, why don't you use your windshield wipers? And I start dying laughing, even in the midst of this chaos, because it was just said so funny. And the, my friend begrudgingly does it. For some reason, he was resistant to using windshield wipers. I have no idea. Um, so as soon as the windshield was cleared, we see the reality of, oh my gosh, we are headed the wrong way. There's a car coming at us, and thankfully there was a turn offered to us that we took right away. But I share that story because what is the obstacle of seeing God clear? It is a self, it's an inflated view of ourselves. It's pride. So my friend wasn't operating under the influence of alcohol that night, even though you may think he was. He wasn't. He was operating under the influence of pride. And that is the obstacle of knowing him. C.S. Lewis says, as long as we are prideful, we cannot know God more. As long as we are prideful, we cannot know God more. <clears throat> so our posture is a continual, humble, Father, clear my eyes to see your word. Clear my eyes to know who you are. I want to know you. I don't want to know I don't want to know the, just the book. I want to know you, Father. Clear my eyes. We are utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit to bring illumination to our eyes. <clears throat> and it's also important to know the context as well of, all right, who is Paul writing to in this letter? And who is he saying that they would grow more in more knowledge of God? He's, he's saying this to believers, so it's directly applicable to us as a church. Uh, he's saying this to us Growing knowledge. So that's a directive of growing knowledge. So it just it's not like non-believers of growing knowledge and give your life to the Lord. No, these are believers. Grow in knowledge of God. Grow in knowledge of God. And I want you to get, if there's anything you get out of this, this is one of the things today I would like you to understand. And I've wrestled with it this week. Our knowledge of God gives us our view of God, Okay. So our view of God, which comes from our knowledge, our view of God acts as a filter through which all of our actions as believers flow through. And what I mean by that is if my knowledge of God's power is minimal, my prayers for him to radically change the situation I'm in will be minimal. If my knowledge of his grace and mercy and love towards me is minimal, my joy and contentment in Christ will be minimal. So it is absolutely vital that we continue to grow in knowledge of God. It's crucial as believers that we grow in knowledge of our Father. And after knowing comes going. After knowing comes going, which point three, go in power. From the understanding of who is with us and for us, we go in power over the enemy. Look at verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, immeasurable, you can't even measure it immeasurable greatness of his power towards us according to his great might. doesn't say your great might, what you know, your strengths, your, your pridefulness. doesn't say that. Thank the Lord it is according to his great might, not our own. <clears throat> and we also 
I want to point out the context as well. Again, who's he writing to? If you heard past uh, sermons that Pastor Nick gave in as we've walked through Ephesians, who is he writing to and what is their past? There are, uh, a lot of these believers had a background in um, occultic pra- practices, worshiping of Artemis, right? So they probably had a little bit of a fear of the evil that they came from. But Paul is writing and assuring them of, do you know who you follow now? Do you know the name above all names and the power that you can't even measure his power? Why are you fearful of the enemy? Why are you fearful of those old things? Do you know who you follow? Do you know who you follow? It is critical that we know that and don't fear those things. We can look at Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Deuteronomy 20, verse 4. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. So when that that fear creeps in, uh, if you're worried or anxious about the enemy's activity in your life, if you're worried about that, you can remind the enemy that his days are numbered, yours are not, because of what Jesus has done on the cross for you and me. That we, are, uh, we have a hope and salvation to come. That there are immeasurable greatness and riches awaiting us the, through the blood of Jesus. Nothing we have done but the work of our Father who loves us has given us a hope for eternity. What shall we fear? What shall we fear? <clears throat> and uh, I had a devotional this uh, Friday morning I was reading with my wife. And I was like, oh, this might actually work well for the sermon. So there you go. And I, I just want this morning, I want the Father to just knock down fear in our lives. Fear of opposition, fear of death. I want fear to go. And I want us to have a clear picture of who we are in Christ, our position in Christ, and where God has placed us there, and the hope and comfort that comes in that. But the author says this, Suppose an accident should take our lives. I smile as I think that the worst thing that could happen would be the best thing that could happen. If we should die, we shall be with the Lord. So if the worst thing that can befall is the best thing that can come, why should we fear? If the worst thing that can befall is the best that can come, why should we fear? So we know that God has a plan for our lives here on earth We want to be obedient and faithful to his will, his plan. But at the end of the day, the great hope we have, there's nothing better than the hope we have. And it's all from the Father's love and grace and mercy towards us. I um, (laughs) wasn't in my notes, but this week um, my wife's grandfather passed away and I went and picked up my my daughter from school and... um, I had to, when we got home, I wanted to explain to her what happened, and Sammy had just done such a great job of explaining what's happening, but the hope that Grampy has, and um, when, we, when I told them, um, they both were, my son and daughter were saying, I miss, I miss Grampy, I miss Grampy, and uh, I got the opportunity to, to tell them of, we, we should be jealous of Grampy, of where he is right now. That God is so good, we can enjoy him here on earth. But the hope that we have where Grampy is now, he's no longer in pain. He's in the presence of our Savior. Is there anything better than that? 
Is there anything better than that? And the hope that we have can't be ripped away. It is eternal by the grace of our Lord. So we have so much hope in who God is and where he has placed us. He's placed us in a win-win position. And I'm gonna, we're going to work through the next couple minutes, not much longer. We're going to work through a couple things, and I, I just want you to be patient with where we're going. I want you to see a big picture here and, and the beautiful win-win position the Father's placed us in, okay? And we're gonna use, I'm going to use an example of our prayer walks. For those of you who don't know, every second Sunday now, we go out and after the service and just pray for people in the community. We hope to share the gospel if people want to know about Jesus. That's our, our hope and desire to do, um, but it's directly applicable if you're wrestling with sharing your faith with anyone right now. <clears throat> Look at Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as we go out, the one who's been given complete power and dominion, control over everything, is with us as we go out. That comfort of Yet yeah, we try to go out in twos for our prayer walks, but it's not just two. There is one with us who is far greater than us. So, and that's not just like a warm and fuzzy picture. That is the reality of the goodness of God that we have the Holy Spirit within us by the grace of God and the power um, that walks with us. The comfort that we should have in that alone. That's not the picture just yet. We're, we're heading somewhere. So he is with us. Look at Luke 15. Just so I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance, Luke 15, 7. So we go out with the one, Jesus is with us. And then we hope that people will give their lives to the Lord or those who have strayed will come back. And we see that biblically all of heaven rejoices when somebody does that, right? The joy of that, that's my prayer, is that we would see more salvation come. We would see people, the broken, come and be restored. Just as we have tasted and seen the goodness of Jesus and what he has done in our lives, we want to see that with others, no matter how uncomfortable that is. So that is our, that is our aim. But if things don't go that way, we can look at the next verse, Matthew 5, verse 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this is the big picture I want us to see is Jesus is with us as we go out. There's no greater comfort that can come with us as we go out and be uncomfortable to share our faith. If somebody gives their life to Jesus, hallelujah, we rejoice along with all of heaven. But even if we are persecuted and it doesn't go well, we are blessed. Scripture says we are blessed. Do you see the position that the Father's placed us in of a win-win position that no matter what, we're blessed. We are blessed. I, I just don't want us to miss that because I, I needed to see this picture because still going on prayer walks, I wrestle with this before I go out. The nerves hit. Oh, it's just me going out. i got to have my argument lined up perfectly. I have to know every debate. Uh, if somebody brings up this religion or this religion, 
Yes, we should be prepared to give an account of what we believe and why we believe it, but do we know the one who is with us? Do we know the position we are in when we go into that situation? There's no better position that we can be in, and the Father has graciously placed us in that. We are blessed. So what is our aim? Is our aim just to win an argument, or is our aim just to please Him, to just be obedient to the Father? We are willing to be used. May we go out and further your kingdom, if you will it. We don't control the outcome. We just want to be obedient and faithful servants of God. So I, I just want to encourage you, if you're... If you're wrestling with the tension of wanting to share Jesus with somebody, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend you've been friends with your entire life and you never told them about Jesus. If you're wrestling with that tension, and I know that tension, don't forget that picture. Don't forget the placement the Father has put us in that he just wants to see an obedient servant. And and if you've already served your, um, shared Jesus with somebody and, and maybe it didn't go well, Maybe it went poorly. I would ask you this. It went poorly according to who? It went poorly according to who? Because I, I, I believe the father just sees an obedient child. It says, well done. We are fully dependent on the father to work. We just need to be obedient and willing to do it. So as we grow in knowledge of him, we willingly go out because we know our position. We see our position clear of where the Father has placed us, and it is a beautiful place to go in, and so much comfort that he is with us in that. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Everything we do unto the Lord is not done in vain. Even if we go out on these prayer walks or, or whatever we are trying to do unto the Father, and we don't come across anyone. Our labor is not in vain. Our labor is not in vain. We just want to serve the Father. May that be our aim. May that be our vision. May we have more clarity in that. And uh, I love that J.I. Packer quote. I pray this gives you comfort. There is no peace like the peace of those whose minds are possessed with full assurance that they have known God and God has known them, and that this relationship guarantees God's favor to them in life through death and on forever. Do you see the comfort that we have as we know God and we we strive to grow in knowledge of him, but even in that we're utterly dependent on him to help us in growing in that knowledge. We need him to clear the vision. We need him to clear our windshield in front of us so we see, but we can't have a posture of any bit of of pride that we know everything. I got it. I don't need help. That's so far from the truth, and we need to be humble before the Father. So, um, band, you can come on up, and uh, we're going to take communion here in a moment, but uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 14, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. May we be a people here at Transit Church who are led by Jesus, growing in the knowledge of God and seeking to let other people know about God. May that be our posture of knowing him so we can make him known to others for the glory of God. And we rest on the Father's love and the Father's guidance and Uh, It is all done by his hands, not our own. 
we just need to be obedient and willing. So as we grow in knowledge of God, that naturally grows our love for him and his immeasurable grace towards us. As our knowledge of him grows, giving thanks becomes less of um, an action and more of an overflow of our hearts. And as our knowledge of him grows, going becomes less of a burden and more of a joy because we see our position that we're placed in, that we are given victory through the name of Jesus. And we know the name of the power, the power in the name of Jesus, who he is, who walks with us through everything we're going through. So I, I just, if you're here this morning wrestling with any anxiousness, if you're feeling just your heart, you're, you're worried, you're fearful, grow in knowledge of the Prince of Peace. Grow in knowledge of the Prince of Peace. If you're worried about something you're about to step into, maybe a new season of life, a new job, whatever uh, new position you're walking into this week or this year, and you're worried about it, may you grow in knowledge of the one who has plans to prosper you, not harm you. May you trust him in everything and thank him for those waves that you are going through. Because when we resist, sometimes the Lord has, has us in a difficult season because he's trying to shape us, mold us into something he wants us to be. Okay, He wants to shape and mold us, but sometimes if we're resisting the pruning, if we're resisting the refining, we may stay there much longer until the Lord does what he wants to do if we're resistant to the work. But if we come at it with the posture of, Father, I trust you. I don't know what you're doing in this situation, but I trust you, Father. I trust that you have allowed this to happen in my life, and I know you're shaping me. Even if I can't see what you're doing, I know you're doing a good thing. So I thank you, Lord, and I just praise your name for who you are and your faithfulness. And I just want to be a faithful, obedient child of the Most High God. We're going to shift to communion now. If you need communion elements, there's some right out in the, the hallway. Um, I'm going to let you take communion as you feel led this morning, as the band wraps up in the last couple songs, um, communion is just an opportunity for us to take our eyes off ourselves and shift our vision to Jesus and what He has done for us, the goodness of God. So we're taking our eyes off ourselves and what we're going through and focusing our gaze on Jesus. Jesus said in the upper room, take this in remembrance of me. So we remember Jesus' body broken, for us. Remember his blood poured out for us. What a God. What a God we serve. And the hope that we have through the blood of Jesus for eternity. So may you take comfort in that and may our posture be a continual one to grow in the knowledge of the goodness of God and his love towards us and the joy that he has, the joy that the Father has when he sees his children just wanting to know him more just wanting to know him more. So I'm going to pray, and then you can uh, take communion. What a father we have. Thank you, Father, for what you have done in sending your son Jesus to die for us on the cross. There's so much comfort that we have knowing the hope of what awaits us, but the beauty of what a good father is, we we get to experience your goodness here. We get to know you here. So Holy Spirit, come, search our hearts, any area of our lives that we are feeling prideful, any areas of our lives that we are 
rebelling against you, would you reveal that this morning? Because, Father, we just want to be closer to you. And as we draw near, your word says you draw near to us. So, Holy Spirit, come this morning and draw near to your children. We desperately need you to intervene in our lives. We are desperate for you, Father. Would you come and comfort your children, those who need comfort this morning, those who need encouragement. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.